Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. To wear my green today, you can pinch me later. Actually, please don't. <laughs> please don't pinch me. Um, how are we this morning? You guys well? Such a good, good day, good time of worship. Um, man, can you guys, let's thank the, the team for leading us this morning. It's a beautiful time of worship. So awesome. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. So, uh, man, this last Friday night was really special. Some of you uh, were able to gather with us in the theater uh, for a night of prayer, and we just started um, opening up some, some things that the Lord had been speaking over the last several weeks and, 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 and joining together in groups to, to pray. And uh, we are super excited. We're going to be doing that more. So you're going to be hearing about more prayer nights coming, especially as we get into April. Um, but the idea is to continue to amp up these rhythms of prayer. Do you guys know that, that everything we do is fueled in this place of intimacy with God? It's fueled in the presence of God. And our connections, who we are as a people, finds its shape, finds its formation in the presence of God. And so uh, it was just a, it's a time of life, a time of love. It was awesome. I, I came a little late because I rushed over. My son Noah was, had a talent show at school, and uh, he uh, was not a mad scientist. He was a happy scientist. <laughs> and he did some science experiments while telling jokes, one of, one of which was this one. Why should you never trust, trust atoms? Because they make up everything. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to jump into the message today. Again, uh, if you're a guest with us today, th- so thankful that you would come and spend the morning uh, with us. It's an honor for, for you to join us in our, in our family gathering here. And, and, and today we want to pick up in this sermon series that we've been in the last few weeks. And it's, it's, it's really based off this invitation. Oh, there we go. Okay. It's really based off this invitation that, uh, that Jesus uh, initiated with his people, with his disciples, with those that he was inviting to join on the journey as he was making his way around the countryside. And it's this idea that he would look in, into the eyes of the disciples, the eyes of the people he was with, and say, come and follow me. And that really is the crux of, of what we're doing. That's the crux of our identity as disciples of Jesus, right? Is we're, we're following Jesus. Yet when we hear that word discipleship, sometimes this image comes to mind, and we showed this image a couple weeks ago. It feels sometimes like this, because our, our image through church and through our experiences and Sunday school and Bible studies, all this stuff, a lot of it's been shaped by this idea of just sit down and let me just tell you what to do and don't screw it up, right? And, uh, and, and you know, and it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, like, honestly, if we were to kind of clear away the clutter a little bit, some of us, that's how we relate to Jesus. It's as if he was just, he showed up with a bunch of flip charts saying, do this and don't do this, and then we're going to be good for all of eternity, right? But you guys know, and we know this, that the idea, the heart of follow me 
is not just a, a sit down and don't screw this up. <laughs> it's a come listen to me, learn from me, be with me, be covered in the dust of my feet as we walk this road together. It's this dynamic relationship with Jesus where um, as our master, as our rabbi, as our teacher, he's teaching us not just what to do in life, but the way in which we are to live life. It's the way of love. It's the way of grace and truth. And, 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 and how many of you know that Jesus, as he would commission his disciples, and as the disciples and the apostles, the early church, would, would go into the upper room, they received the Holy Spirit to remind us the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a deposit to remind us of everything Jesus came to impart to us. And so, so while Jesus, we don't see him technically with our eyes and flesh and blood, the Spirit of Christ is all around us. And in, in, that, in that manner, I, I'll, I'll read to you a prayer of St. Patrick today on St. Patrick's Day. He says, I arise today through a mighty strength. This is in the 5th century. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man, who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. That's a prayer. Come on, that's a prayer right there. And may it be so with us, God, that those who see us and those who hear us would only see Christ in us. And this is why this matters that we talk about this dynamic life of following Jesus because, you know, it's, 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 it gets tricky sometimes. How, how is it that as the people of God, we can pay attention to the work of God and participate? Participate in this coming kingdom. And this is what God is doing in all of creation. He is marrying heaven and earth. And his full intention is to establish the kingdom of heaven as, always, as he always intended it. To establish it through our lives and into the, our spheres of influence all around the earth. And so... Um, as, as we're learning what it means to be disciples, which is a lifelong journey, and there's never a point where we, we just like raise our hand and say, got it, we're good, done, right? You never get a trophy or a ribbon that says you've, you've reached the end of your discipleship, right? There's always more places in the depths of Christ's heart to go. There's always further and deeper and higher, which is why we, we encourage each other, we push each other on. And so in this series, what we're, we're, we're looking at these, these statements. We've been calling them axioms. And they've been these helpful kind of paradigm shifts. And, and they're really simple. On, at face value, it might not seem like there's a lot there. But when we dig into them, we see that, man, Jesus is teaching us how it is that we can see him and hear him and participate with him in all of life. And so last week, Ed uh, brought a message and he was talking about one of, this, the, the, one of the first ideas of God is always present and at work. And, 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 and here at Vine Life, we talk about the presence of God a lot. So that might not seem like a, an astonishing idea for us to proclaim God is always present and at work. But if you, we are to kind of take a look, self-reflect just for a moment, 
we can sometimes catch ourselves, maybe even today, maybe even after church today, talking about, wow, it really seemed like God showed up, or, you know, we, uh, uh, we're, we're in other places of life where it doesn't seem like God is present. I need to go somewhere. I need to go meet with God somewhere else. And sometimes we refer to the presence of God like it's anywhere but here in a moment. But even when we experience the presence of God, how many of you know that it's not as much that God showed up as it is that we just woke up? That God illuminated us by the Holy Spirit of God. And he gave us eyes to see who he always was for us in that moment that we, were, that we were blind to before. And God, may our eyes be open to know how very present you are in each moment of our lives. Amen? So God is present at work. We have to know that in order to know that all of life is his training. Every moment of life, the mundane moments, the mountaintop moments, all of it, he is using to shape us and to form us into his image. And so we're going to continue the journey this morning. I'm going to read a couple passages of Jesus interacting with some of his favorite people. And the tone of these passages, I just want you to pay attention to what he's actually after. The thing with Jesus is Jesus in his interactions, his dealings with us, with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees, with the scribes, with, the, with everybody. He was always after the heart of the matter. So Matthew 22 is our first passage, starting in 15. It says this, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you're not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? And then I want to read another snapshot, and this is with his disciples. This is also the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. So here's what we see in these two passages. Again, very different instances two different groups of people. In these dealings, though, we see that Jesus, as he's interacting and having conversations, he's trying to make it very clear that he's not after the right answers. He's not after agendas, and he's not after the appearance of having the right conversation. He's after what is true in the hearts of the people he's talking to. And so in the first passage, talking to the Pharisees, we see this snapshot all the time. They'd always plot and test him but then they would mask their testing in these really clever questions. Hey, we know that you're a teacher of truth and you don't care about any man's opinion, right? But Jesus saw right through it to say, hey, listen, can you just 
what, if, what would happen if you could just confront the malice of your heart? Let's start there. Let's talk about malice. We don't need to talk about my teaching. Let's talk about where you are right here. Because that was what was actually interesting to Jesus. Not getting the topic right, right? So in this other passage, though, with his disciples, as they're all hanging out, and Jesus says to them, and it was probably to their shock and to their dismay, he said, listen, hey, you're all going to fall away. You're going to fall away. And that, that had to have been so hard for them to hear after spending a few years with Jesus. And obviously what came up for them is there is no way. There is no, that not me. Maybe these other 11 guys, not me, right? Peter, he just like, he just couldn't have it. He could not own the fact that there was anything in him that could be possible of that. But here is Jesus saying, hey, listen, you have to understand this is going to happen. This is what's actually going on. This is, you don't know it, but this is where you are actually at. So the principle, though, that we really want to dive into and, and explore and crack open just for a few moments this morning is this idea, as it relates to following Jesus and our discipleship, we have to remember that God always meets us where we're really at. He chooses to meet us where we really are. Not where we want to be or think we should be. Not where we, you know, uh, not what would appear to be right. But Jesus is obsessed. He is so obsessed. He is so real. God is so real. That he can only really meet us where we're really at. And the idea is, is here that the sooner that we can actually reconcile and have an understanding of how I'm actually doing or what's actually going on in my heart, the sooner we will be able to see and participate in the work of Christ in our lives, right? And so, what does that mean? It means all of us have to be able to practice and to be able to um, understand what it, what it means to self-identify. This is, this is where I'm at, just like I said. But, but, but again and again, we see Jesus, just like the two passages I read, confronting people to get to the point, to get more direct, where are you actually at? And so that's why Jesus asked far more questions than he did give answers. I think uh, I heard he really only answered three questions <laughs> in all of the Gospels, whereas he asked about 300 <laughs> 300 questions to them, some of them which were, why do you call me good? What do you want me to do for you? Who are my mother and who are my brothers? I mean, these, these types of things and what he was trying to do was, was bring a moment of revealing so he could actually meet people in a moment of transparency. And this is important. It's important to the heart of Jesus and the scripture and it's important today. And people try to approach him with a hidden agenda they tried to impress him. They tried to hide from him. They tried to recruit him for self-justification projects. And, you know, I, th- I think, you know, if we were to look at our lives, and I'm guessing, um, uh, I'm, I'm guessing this is going to be true for you because this is true for me. Um, when we read these passages, maybe you don't self-identify with ever having a moment of testing Jesus. Maybe, maybe you didn't have a... Uh, a moment of asking him a hard tr- question, trying to trick him in prayer, as if he could be tricked. But it, I think it's actually much more nuanced than that. Sometimes when we approach God and we look for where God is at work in our lives, we also 
we also don't reconcile the realities of what we're actually facing in our life. Rather, we try to talk ourselves out or convince ourselves that we're doing better than we actually are, or we feel bad about where we actually are, and so we just don't want to talk about those things. And specifically, there's two words that really come to mind that probably all of us have done or said or maybe even in this moment are floating through your minds, and they're really sinister words, and they're two words, should and ought. One of the most dangerous, destructive things for us as believers of Christ is when we give a lot of time shoulding ourselves, right? We should ourselves all the time. We spend a lot of time shooting. You, I mean, you, you, you maybe shoulded yourself this morning on the way to church, right? And what does that mean? That means there's something going on in your life, but you know what the right answer is. You know what, what God wants you to do. And so I should be feeling this, but actually I'm feeling this. I should be doing this, but I find myself doing this, right? So here might be some examples of what that looks like. Your husband asks to go out with the friends, but you play it cool because you know you should be gracious and loving. But inside, you're frustrated and angry that he left for another night of the week, all right? Your wife wants to buy some more gifts for kids at Christmas time. You nod your head, indicating that you're okay with this, but inside, you're freaking out because you've already blown your Christmas budget. You, sh- you know that you should be generous, but you're feeling afraid, okay? You pass someone that has a flat tire, but you don't stop because you're trying to get to an appointment. You feel bad because you should be flexible enough with your time to do the right thing, right? You find a new job, and technically it's better than your last job, but you notice a sinking feeling in your stomach on the first day. You know you should feel thankful for the provision, and this new opportunity, but you can't shake the fear. It's your birthday week, and your family and friends planned a great night of celebration. You got everything you want, and all the right people were present, but it still feels like something is missing. You know you should feel grateful, but instead you, fe- you find yourself feeling lonely, and you don't know why. You show up for church, and you want to be excited and show, show up with a full heart, but during the sermon you find yourself distracted, thinking about all the other things that you have to get done that day. And then you feel bad that because you don't feel present and you know you should be, all right? I'm not going to ask you to identify yourself in the room. And I, I could, we could go on and on and on and on, and it's so common in the way we think that we don't even notice it anymore, that we're going through things, and we read the scriptures oftentimes, we think, all right, this appears to be what God wants me to do, but there's something else going on inside of me. And what happens a lot of times is rather than actually enter into what I'm actually feeling or thinking, we convince ourselves, we try to get ourselves to snap out of it and snap into a new reality, right? And I'm not saying that that's wrong all the time. I think there are scriptural principles. Hey, set your minds on things above, right? You'd be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, don't choose this, choose this, right? There's, there's moments where we, get, we do get to decide, we make distinctive decisions, but, but oftentimes many of us miss the opportunity to actually enter into what it is we're thinking and what it is we're feeling afraid that we're not sure what 
God will ever do with that. But what if that's the conversation Jesus is actually interested in? And what if he wants to press into that because the revelation that you're wading through is not through escaping your moment but entering into it, right? And this is where a lot of us, a lot of us miss out because we have been taught that Jesus is primarily interested in getting us to do things for him, (laughs) When it comes to discipleship, it's, just, it's you know, we, we've been taught that really what Jesus came is to show us new things to do, and he's trying to get us to do them, and to do them better things, and to do brighter things, and, and, and more spiritual things. And if he can just get us to do things for him, then that's really the Christian life. And, and, and what if, though, Jesus isn't as concerned with just getting you to do things as it is entering in and doing the work inside of you? And actually coming into a place where what if the actual real work is not something that's being done out there, it's about something being done in here and learning to cooperate with that so that it affects the things that are done out there. God is highly interested in the things that you feel are unimportant to him that you're actually going through in your life. Okay? So we spend a lot of times with shoulds, we spend a lot of times with oughts, And we talk ourselves out of, of some of these things that we hold inside of ourselves. But the, the encouragement this morning is what if our biggest breakthrough is not avoiding what we're going through but entering into that? A couple years ago, I, we had, um, my family, we had received an, an unexpected financial gift. We didn't expect it. It was, it was pretty large. And... Uh, and, you know, in, in the first moment, I was like, whoa, this is awesome. Like, this is amazing. Like, uh, you know, I, I, in the first five minutes, I already spent all of it, right? I mean, I knew exactly where it was going to go, every dollar, you know. And so, but very short, it was very short-lived. And here's what I noticed. We received this unexpected gift that was pretty large. And, and then after a short time, I noticed that I, I wasn't actually still excited about it. I mean, I'm talking like half an hour later, I was thinking about this gift, and it was no longer exciting to me. And I started to feel bad about that, because we received this unexpected gift, and it was large, and it was one of those things like, man, if anybody else would have received this, they would be freaking out for weeks straight, probably. But some, for some reason, there's something that simmered down, and it felt like I felt bad about it. I felt, I felt bad. I should, I should be feeling thankful for God's provision, but for some reason, I'm feeling kind of numb right now, and it's, this is, it's not moving to me any longer. And that started to be unsettling for me. So I had a couple decisions in that moment. One of them, you know, was like, okay, just, just press through. You're going to power through. You're going to plow through this with thanksgiving and praise, Right? which I did, you know, it's like, you know what, God, I, I'm, I'm not feel for some reason I'm not feeling this right now, but I'm going to thank you anyway, and I'm going I'm to lift up a shout of praise, so I did that. But then I also felt this encouragement for the Lord, it's like, you know, but, but actually, hold on a second, before you just push forward and ignore what you're actually going through, this numbness that you're feeling, what if you actually took that and held it open before God and see what he would have to say about that? So that's what I did. So I started with Thanksgiving, thank you God for this gift, but can you help me understand something? This is no longer exciting to me, and this just happened in the last day. 
and for some reason I'm feeling numb, and, it, and some, for some reason the wow and the wonder and the awe is not here, and that's kind of troubling to me. Can you show me what's going on inside of me? And some of the stuff that had come up as I, as I posed that question, as I decided to not avoid this feeling of numbness, but to press into it and actually surrender it to God. I realized in that moment that I had already been anticipating using up all that cash and the moment of when all of it would run out and then I would be right back in the same place of needing some money. And I realized that in my mind, even though I received it and it was a great gift, I was thinking more about the day that it would run out and I would still be in need versus trusting that the God of abundance and the God of provision would be there when it runs out to supply all my needs. So in in, in a single moment, I realized that this numbness It wasn't about talking myself out of it. It was about entering into it because God, the revelation he wanted to give me in this moment is this numbness is because you believe more in the ability for this money to be spent and disappear than for my ability to provide for all of your needs. And And I'm exposing this because I'm teaching you to trust me in new ways, that I am the God of abundance and provision. And I want to reinstill joy that when you receive a gift from me, you don't have to, be, you don't have to worry about when it disappears because I am still there when it disappears. That you don't have to trust these things for your security. I am your security. So, so can, you, can you see the difference though? Because sometimes it would have been very easy for me in that situation to just know what I should be feeling and then just do my best to feel that. I'm going to feel this because this is what God would want from me. Yes, that's true. But, but, what we see in, in, in the life of following Jesus is he is so present, he is so real, that he actually does, he wants to teach us not just how to avoid what we're going through, but how to surrender it to him so he can, it can be exposed to the light and the love of God so he can teach us what he's actually doing and teach us to trust him and his goodness even more every day. Are you guys tracking with me? This is, this is a big deal, especially as it comes to emotional awareness. We, we, we hit two ends of the pendulum swing. Either we believe every one of our emotions as if they're truth, or we just disregard them as not profitable or valuable at all. And I think Jesus has a different way of us relating to him in that way. We're going to talk about that in a second. But why, why is all this important? Because a lot of us, we pray prayers, but we, you know, we, we want to see change in the world. We want to see change in our cities. We want to see change in our workplaces. We want to see change in our nation. We want to see change in the world. We, I believe that God, even here, is, you know, with a lot of you I talked to you, I mean, God has given you vision for his kingdom coming. But the, only, the reality is the only way that God affects change in the world is through first deeply changing us. There is no change that we can bring except for the change that we enter into and we receive into our hearts, into our lives, to our souls, into our spirits. The reality that you cultivate within your chest, within your bones, within your life is the only reality that you can release to the world. 
So when we fail to take responsibility for what's actually going on in this world, we actually have no ability to release any kind of, or change any realities in the world that we live in. So God is teaching us how to actually participate in this world so that we can be more effective and powerful and authoritative in the world he sent us to. And so we have to talk about these things. We have to talk about emotional health. We have to talk about these bodies that he's given to us. And a lot of times the reason why we miss the work of God in our lives, a lot of we can't have any indication of where Jesus is at work is because we haven't learned that he's actually showing us where he's at work through our very bodies in our very brain chemistry and, 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 and these, these vessels that he's given us to live in. We're waiting for something to happen way out there when he's speaking to us right in our bones. One of my friends, Pete Scazzaro out of uh, Queens, he talks about it like this. He says, the body is not a minor prophet. The body, the body is a major prophet. Meaning this, you know, some of, some of us, we, we think our flesh is just, has no value to God. Obviously, our flesh, when we follow our flesh, that, that it's going to bring destruction, right? Our, like our, our body, the, the things of this world, when we follow them, will we'll bring destruction. But when we learn that God actually intended our bodies and our emotional awarenesses to teach us about what he's up to and to actually like pay attention to what he's doing within us, the, the, the idea, though, is he wants to show us and wants to give us language through what we're actually feeling to how it is we might participate with him for all of eternity and in this life that he's given us. And so how do we actually take a step in, into that direction? First of all, we have to acknowledge this is a thing, right? Some of us, we try to break away from things. We, we go through negative um, emotional states, and we think it's all about the circumstances. I've got to get out of this marriage because I don't feel good about it. I have to get out of this job. I have to move to a different state. I have to change a church. And we, we, can, we can tend to place all of the, the center of power and all the people and all the things around us that we feel like are affecting us. But kind of the first encouragement here this morning, if, if God is going to meet, if we want God to meet us in reality, we have to understand that, that, that there's something within my life right now that he is trying to get my attention and he's trying to teach me where he's at work, okay? The second part, how, how we actually get started at this stuff, is trusting that this comes by revelation and not just figuring things out. God did not just call us to try to figure things out. But we, th- this whole conversation is housed, and like we said before, God has given us the Holy Spirit who knows all things, who searches the heart of God, who searches our hearts more than we ever know. And so we have to trust that the Holy Spirit is the one who reveals what's true. What is our reality in a given moment? What is it we're actually believing in a given moment? And Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living and active. The word of God not meaning paper. The word of God meaning Jesus is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We need the Holy Spirit to help us discern the thoughts and intentions of our own hearts. Amen? We got enough self-help books. We got enough stuff trying to teach us how to be better people. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the training of the Holy Spirit to show us what's actually going on. 
and then to lead us from that moment to deeper encounters with Jesus and his love so we can trust him more in our lives. Because that's how the kingdom of God is established. And so this comes by revelation. This, this comes by Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see where you're, where you're at work. But thirdly, again, a lot of this is about coming, having a new relationship with these emotional awarenesses as, we, as they surface in our lives. God has given us a soul. And while, again, that soul is a, is a pretty terrible leader, it's a great follower. And God has given us a soul full of mind and will and emotions. He's created our soul. Psalm 34, my soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Magnify the Lord with me. God has created us. He's given us ways to experience him. And so one thing that's really helpful is to look at our emotional life and understand that our emotional life is much like a dashboard of a car. Okay? You have all these lights, and all of these lights are flashing and going off and indicating what's going on under the hood of the car. Now, how many of you like me and sometimes just ignore the lights? Right? You're just hoping that it's just going to magically disappear one day. And you, how, how many of you has that worked for, right? <laughs> Very little of the time does it work to just, just to, 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 to not acknowledge what's going on in your dashboard because it's helpful information, right? And that's the thing. Our, our, in our emotional life, our, emotion, our emotions are a bad guide, but a really good gauge. So our, our emotions don't always tell us the truth about reality, but they do tell us the truth about what we're believing about reality. And so it, that's why it's not, it's not always good to just convince ourselves that we're not feeling something because we're actually throwing away a potential moment of breakthrough that if we surrendered this emotion before God and asked him to reveal to us what it is that is being shown to us about what we're believing about reality, we have the potential for something amazing to happen within us. And I could show you story after story of, of life, of God. I, I thought a conversation had to do with this up here, and God was trying to meet me way down in here. And so, here, here's what I want to do this morning. You know, it, it, we're in an interesting cultural moment, because anywhere you go outside of church, everyone's talking about mindfulness and emotional awareness. I mean, it's a really trendy topic. So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to piggyback on pop culture thinking, but I do believe as the church, as far as the power that we walk in and our ability to follow Jesus, so much of this is about recovering what God always meant to be true for us, an understanding of our soul and our spirit and where he's at work. And then understanding how he's created our bodies to actually to, to learn and to, and to listen and to pay attention to what he's doing. And so here, here's what I'm going to try this morning. Uh, some of you are really good at this. So you just, you're just self-aware of things going on in your life. Others are not. In fact, most adults statistically have a very short vocabulary when it comes to describing how they're actually feeling. It's like happy, sad, mad. And everything in life, I'm just happy. I'm just sad. I'm just mad. And, and, and it's very, it, it's, it's not helpful because it's, it doesn't actually help us get in. Here's what I want to try to do this morning. Because I believe that God wants to take us into some places if you're willing to go there. Are you, are, is that okay with you guys? Just to take a moment. Travis is going to play. Here's what I believe is available in this moment. 
Um, I just want to take a moment and just across the room, if you would do this with me, just close your eyes. And first of all, let's invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you know us and you love us. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are actually shaping us into the image of Jesus. And for those willing today, God, for all of us who are brave enough and courageous enough to actually pay attention to what's going on, I just pray right now that from head to toe, you would show us, you would highlight something on the dashboard of our lives. And help us to get in touch with how we're doing. How, how are we feeling in this moment, even right now? Just let's take a, a moment here and pay attention. Is there anything surfacing in your thoughts, anything surfacing in your emotions? How are you feeling? Are you feeling frustrated or disappointed? And if, if you need some help here, we're going to put this, this uh, image on the screen. It just has a few more adjectives. I found this is really helpful for me to get more specific to how I'm feeling about different things. So don't just say, I feel stressed. What is it? What is what feels stressful to you? And I just want to just take a moment and just see if you can pinpoint. It doesn't have to be a negative emotion. It could be really positive too. Just pinpoint in this moment, how are you doing? Just we'll give it a moment here. So I'm going to ask a few questions. We're going to invite the Lord to maybe lead us into some awareness of where he's at work in our lives. Trusting that he's present in work and he's meeting us where we're really at. So what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this? So if you've pinpointed something, just ask the question, where, where did that come from? When did I start feeling this? What sparked this? What, what was, the, was it a conversation? Did I wake up with this? Or have I been feeling this for some time? Here's the next question. How do I know I'm actually feeling this? And that might mean you feel it in a certain part of your body. Some of you, if you pay attention to your actual body, Maybe you feel pressure on your chest. If you, if you think about maybe fear, maybe you're feeling some fear. Maybe you might feel that as a sinking in your stomach or a swelling in the back of your throat. Where is it? Where do you feel it in your body, in the actual body? Maybe it's, maybe your shoulders are feeling tight. Just kind of pinpoint that in your body, your actual body. 
And so God, as, we, as we're becoming aware of some things here, maybe it's disappointment, discouragement. Maybe it's just feeling overwhelmed. God, we surrender those out. We just want to set those out on the table and expose them to the light of your love. We thank you, Lord God, that you've given us the ability to feel. So we bless, Lord God, what's happening in the room right now. Now I just want to invite the Lord to speak. And as you surrender these things that you're, that you're, that you're sensing in your own body, I'm trusting that the Lord is speaking. Jesus, what are you saying? within these emotions. Is is there something that I've wrongly believed that you want to highlight? Is there a lie that I've believed about myself or about you? Jesus would you speak and show us what you are inviting us into what is it that you want to realign in our thinking in our believing where we can trust you Let's see this. You know, some parents are running out to get their kids. Um, you can go if you need to go. If the Lord has you in your moment, Travis is going to sing. We're going we're gonna to sing Good, Good Father. We're going to welcome the heart of the Father. I just want to encourage you in this moment. We're going to take another, another five minutes or so and uh, let the Lord minister. Sarah? Um, as I was kind of prophetically feeling the room and um, perceiving where some different people were at, I felt like I discerned that for some of us, we have actually shut down um, and made vows around not feeling our feels. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. Um, One that I perceived was around, if I start to feel things, I won't stop, like it won't stop. Like it will literally overwhelm me. I will not be able to pull up. It's like this well that you feel will just, the dam will break. Um, The second thing that I perceived was um, some generational things around feeling feelings. 
that there was an understanding or implication that if I feel, I'm feeling mad, feeling mad is bad, so I am bad. And that there were identity linkage um, places to where when you felt your feels, it meant something about who you were. Because there was a connection in your in your family line that said there's something wrong with feeling mad, mm. and so it was there wasn't permission to actually feel yeah. your feels, and so there was a place that shut that down. And then also, um, I I feel like there's places where um, when you showed up with your authentic feels, how you were met was so traumatic in the place where you showed up authentically in your feelings that that was another place where you shut it down and said, if I can't bring my authentic self safely, I'm not going to bring it at all. And I'm not going to bring those feelings to the table. So between some of that trauma and maybe making vows and decisions or even generationally things that moved in your family around feelings, I think there would need to be a time of ministry where you would actually regain permission and and reestablish permission to feel your feelings. And that not everyone has even said yes to that first step yet, which is totally okay. But know that if you're having a hard time accessing that list, some of those things might be at work where you need to actually do a first step with the Lord that says, I will say yes to opening up and feeling these feelings again, and maybe even cleansing off some trauma or generational things um, that have shut it down. So I'm just going to, I'm not saying that that's easy to do right now, but I do want to pray a prayer um, that if that's something that the Lord is doing, if the invitation is first to give yourself permission to feel again, that that might be the first step and that's okay. Um, But it'll be hard to, to stay present with your feelings or to access them if you've shut it down. Um, so if you feel like that's you, maybe you want to stand, maybe you want to sit. I don't, I don't necessarily sense that there's a, a specific way to be with this right now, um, but I do want to pray over it. Lord, I want to pray over every heart here where there's trauma connected to feelings, where there are places that were so wounded in the process of feeling that there has, there's been a shutdown and there's been a no to holding that authentic space. And Lord, I want to pray encounter into memories, into trauma, into generational lines, into cellular places that were um, impacted by how feelings were met, how feelings were seen, how feelings were um, reacted to and responded to. And Lord, I pray that you would create such a safety. Like I can just feel the fear there. And Lord, I just pray perfect love and a perception of who you will be when when we show up with our authentic self. 
when we feel how we really feel, I just pray safety that would move over every heart to to be with those authentic feelings and, and in places where it's been shut down, that you would create encounters over every heart that would give it permission to turn it back on. And I just see this light switch, like the Lord walking around to different ones of your hearts and just turning your like switch back on. Mm. And that there's safety to be turned back on and to wake up again to feelings, but that you would have an encounter to know that that's safe. In Jesus' name, amen. trusting that, you know, some of the things that we're talking about, singing about, the, the, what Sarah brought here, this is a journey. This isn't meant to be solved here. This is about a, a journey with Jesus. So I want to bless you. Let's bless each other as we go. God, we thank you this morning. You have created our souls to magnify you. And I thank you, Lord, that you are obsessed with where we really are. And you're not afraid of it. And you're compassionate towards, towards us, God. And so I just bless each one today as we follow you out of this room, God, into the details of our lives. We thank you, Lord God, that you are present and you are at work. And God, in everything that we feel, everything that we sense, Lord God, we thank you. 
that you've designed us in a way that our bodies can glorify you and exalt you and even in our emotions, Lord God, that we can we can be taught of you and be trained in your ways. And so I bless each one, Lord God, with, to, to leave this place with full hearts and full minds. In the name of Jesus. Amen. One, one more thing. One more thing. Just one more thing. Emotions can sometimes feel like heat, like a hot tub that's too hot. And we don't want to get in it. We want to be in it because it good once we're in there, but we don't want to be in it. It's too hot. Sometimes we have to give ourselves permission to just sit near the edges of it and then dip our toe and then get our foot in and then our calf and our knees and slide into them. Emotions are like that sometimes. I don't want to feel this fear, but I'm going to I have permission with the Lord to sit on the edge. I don't want to feel this anxiety, but I have permission from the Lord to sit on the edge. Find Him right where I am. Because He's right here. He's always present. And then I can slip into it and find love in the middle of it. So I just bless that process. It's a process. Amen. Amen. Hey, with that in mind, as we end, our ministry team is going to come forward. Some of you, maybe some things are stirring up and it's not time to just leave. Come forward and receive prayer. We're going to have some words on the screen for healing prayer as well. And again, we just bless you guys to continue following Jesus. Amen? All right. Have a great day, guys.